Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Twelve minutes after eight on Wisconsin's Morning News, we will talk live at about 8.20 or so with WTMJ meteorologist and friend of the program, Craig Copline. We'll help you plan out your weekend. Is Saturday a washout, too? Can you still get some stuff done? What does Sunday look like? So we'll talk live with Copeland at 820 this morning. Some breaking news in the uh, conflict ongoing in the Middle East. Israel apparently getting set for a ground invasion in Gaza. But the breaking news is Secretary of State Antony Blinken of the U.S. just landed in Qatar, where he will meet with officials there. We're hearing from Israel now, holding a news conference just moments ago, urging people in northern Gaza to evacuate. Please go south. We are going to destroy Hamas infrastructures, Hamas headquarters, Hamas military. That is the Israeli defense minister saying, get out, get out, head south to save your life. You need to get out of northern Gaza. He says Hamas is going to use those civilians as camouflage if they don't get out of there. In fact, Hamas asking people to remain in place. Yeah, that was their call. No, no, don't don't evacuate. Please stay here. Yes, this is coming. Don't evacuate. Continue to stay there. You have to think because their directive there is, no, stay here because we want to use you as human shields. Make this more chaotic with more people around. Here's more on the prepare for a ground offensive. Israel's military told 1.1 million people living in northern Gaza that they must evacuate to the south in the next 24 hours. The notice was given to the U.N. Humanitarian Affairs Division and the U.N.'s Department of Safety and Security in Gaza and includes the entire population, including U.N. staff and U.N. schools and health centers. That's uh, CBS's Pamela Falk there. So the idea is that forces operating inside Gaza would have a better chance of killing top Hamas leaders and rescuing hostages. But this isn't a walk in the park. When you're talking about street-by-street battles with Hamas militants, you're talking about areas where they've apparently prepared tunnels and traps with not a lot of intel on what those tunnels may look like. Casualties are expected to be high on both sides. You have more than 300,000 reservists being called up in Israel. No word yet. The military says no decision has been made. But if you have the Israeli defense minister saying, please go south, then you can anticipate something happening here in the near future. And how do they get out? How do they get south? Who can help with that? Can right. the U.N. help with that? There are real questions about that. But you raise an interesting point of what this type of warfare will look like. If I can, it's Brandon Snide does sports for us, and today he's producing the program. Yeah. Pancakes Off is a U.S. Army veteran and Iraq War veteran, and this is exactly the kind of stuff that you all faced, Brandon, mm-hmm. in Iraq. This urban warfare where you don't get, folks aren't wearing uniforms. Know? Yeah, how do you right? know? Yeah, you don't. You, well, the thing is, you don't, and that's exactly what they want. You know, we encountered unfortunately uh, women and children that were used. Um, as devices to, uh, you know, hurt us. Yeah, basically. basically, Yeah. And then, uh, you know, over there, you're not really allowed to engage with the women. It's, it's against their culture, against their religion. So men would dress up as women with, you know, over there, women are covered, um, with weapons underneath. So nobody, you, you really didn't know all of a sudden you just get open fired on. And, you know, unfortunately that's the reality over there for, 
you know, forces uh, that are deployed, and it, it, it's tough. It, it's very tough. And, and like I said earlier in the show, you could you could really go back to to Vietnam is when this tactic really kind of started taking over. But it is very difficult. Uh, it's very sad to see. What are the rules of engagement? What are you instructed to do? And again, Israel will do things how Israel does things, and that's up for them to decide. But in a situation like that, what do they tell you, Brandon, about when you're engaging with at least apparent civilians? Yeah, when you're when when you come on. When I was deployed in Iraq in twenty oh two thousand nine, I was deployed in Afghanistan in twenty thirteen, and both situations were different. Afghanistan, it was more of a defensive, right? You're don't engage unless you you are being engaged. Iraq, it was, we are on the offensive. And if you feel threatened, that's your target. You take out your target. So two different situations, two different deployments, um, two different rules of engagement. Right. But um, it's, it's, it's a judgment call. And that's what's so tough about when people, you know, you see it all the time with police and, you know, videos. You don't know how you're going to react until you have to react, until it's the last moment of where you either you hear the saying flight or flight. Right. And that, unfortunately, is the reality. So the rules of engagement, they change per you know, conflict when I was over there again, Iraq was, you know, 2009, we were just at the end of the surge in Iraq. And it was, we are trying to wipe out all like, you know, Al Qaeda and, and, and terrorist groups and whatnot. Afghanistan was a little bit more, we're peeling back a tiny bit. And if you feel like you're getting targeted, you're, you know, getting shot at or whatever, then that's when you engage. So maybe we'll see some of that here in this case as well. The military in Israel has invested a lot of resources for this type of thing. In fact, AP reports that they've even built a training base in the southern desert meant to replicate Gaza's urban landscape so they can prepare and train for this type of warfare. As far as the U.S. goes? The United States has Israel's back, and that is not negotiable. I don't know about you, but if I if you ever need a guy on your side flanking you, it's Defense Secretary Lloyd yep. Austin. Holy cow. Looks badass, has that voice <laughs> yes. that's ready to go. Like- yes. And he was asked, because he was flanking the Israeli uh, defense minister during that news conference earlier today, he was asked, can the U.S. handle all of these quote-unquote conflicts? So we will stand with Israel, even as we stand with Ukraine. The United States can walk and chew gum at the same time. Yeah, we can. Okay. Yeah, we can, <laughs> There's sir. a line. Don't worry, we got this. Back here at home, we still have a very uncertain future for the U.S. House of Representatives as yesterday's nomination of Congressman Steve Scalise of Louisiana fell apart before our eyes. So Scalise... Or behind closed doors, probably better stated. It sounds like... So yesterday at this time, it looked like Steve Scalise was the front runner, right? He was. And he was had, nominated. Yes. Yeah, he had more votes, upon. but they usually everyone coalesces. That was not happening because Scalise has some baggage that some Republicans don't want to have anything to do with. In fact, during the day, he was losing support. Like some of those votes that he had were starting to drop. Now, it's anyone's guess what happened. There was no way to get there. And it's not clear to anybody here in the Republican conference of those chronicling this, who can get 217 votes at this moment. That's CBS News correspondent Scott McFarlane. Yeah, so as of now, they don't know if they can get to 217 at all. In fact, they may need to rely on what he says is Democratic help. One of the Democrats who's been here longest, Steny Hoyer of Maryland, told me, Eventually, some of these moderate Republicans are going to come get behind our guy, and we'll have a bipartisan coalition. But at this moment, that seems like fan fiction, even though they're up against it. Doesn't it? I I can't imagine 
them flipping and voting for the Dems' decision, you know, their guy. On no, this. if there's going to be a bipartisan coalition, it's been, wouldn't it be GOP moderates trying to drag over maybe a yeah. dozen, maybe up to 20 Democrats yes. can and we, saying, yeah. right. Can we coalesce? Can we come up with this person? Can you help us get this person in? Because we'll give you this, that, and the right. other thing. You're going to have to give up something for that. If you're on the GOP side. Might have to come to that, unlikely as it seems. 820 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Already a text on the old National Bank talk and text line. Can you ask Craig if a soccer tournament in Elm Grove has any chance of happening (laughs) Saturday and Sunday? We'll ask him next. Eight twenty-five on Wisconsin's morning news. You heard the forecast for today. Pretty ugly. We're bringing in friend of the program, WTMJ meteorologist Craig Copleen, for a few minutes here. Uh, we'll get to some of the texts we're already getting, Craig, as to people's various specifics <laughs> for the weekend. You want you want me to just leave my home number? Yeah, just, <laughs> ahead, yeah. Could you text Craig at this number, give him your address and specific event, time of the event, and he'll tell you whether or not it's getting in. Just drop by, the coffee's on, come on over. Are you still doing P- – do you do PA for football out in Pewaukee too? I, I do. I will be in the press box Nice, tonight. toasty press box. Not getting rained on. <laughs> So actually on that point, Craig, with a lot of high school football tonight, you know, they only call it off if it's lightning. Do you see that or is it just wet? I think it's very unlikely that there's lightning, but I can't say it's a it's there's a non-zero chance of lightning. It's 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 possible, but but unlikely. Um, It's worth worrying about in that it's the last night of the regular season. And there are a lot of teams that need to get a game in tonight and get a win in order to be eligible for the playoffs, which gets set tomorrow morning. So for anything else today, today is wet, what, on and off, or is this just a rain all day? Today is going to be a pretty much a rain all day, especially this afternoon from around lunchtime into this evening. I know some people have already had rain steady all morning long, but it's kind of showery this morning. Then it gets steady all afternoon into tonight and heavy at times then tomorrow it reverts back to being more on and off showery and that's why i think at least some soccer tournaments and whatever else may be planned outdoors tomorrow will get in the caveat there is how wet are the fields going right. to be right wait uh, flash flood uh, potential here with all this rain I don't think so, or at least only in very isolated locations, maybe urban areas that don't drain that well, sure. or maybe areas that have a lot of leaves and, and grass clippings clogging up the, 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 the sewer grates and that sort of thing. But other than that, no, I'm not really worried about um, flash flooding. Talking with WTMJ meteorologist Craig Copleen here on Wisconsin's Morning News. So to the specific question, we got uh, soccer tournament in Elm Grove. <laughs> Any chance of that happening Saturday and Sunday? You're thinking what, provided the fields aren't drenched and too soggy, can get it in? Agreed, yes. Yeah. I think they'll be able to play it. Uh, it, it. Put it this way, I don't see it being canceled because of rain falling out of the sky. It'll be the rain already on the ground if there's standing water and just too many puddles. You know, depending upon, you know, how well any individual field drains. So I got one of those little igloos. So when I used to watch my kid play soccer in the rain, I just sit in this tiny little like individual igloo thing. Wow. Where it's, it's, you do not, do you? It's, it's clear on, I got my mom gave it to me. It's fantastic. So it's, <laughs> you it's, are that guy? Yeah. So wow. it's, I didn't see that either, so Craig. He, here, this is, here, this is funny, Craig, because. You'll sit in that thing, and, and for whatever reason, people standing right outside of it think you can't hear them. 
<laughs> and they're saying the same thing. Oh, look hey, at this get guy. Get a little this guy. Look at this guy in his little igloo. I'm dry in here. I can hear you, by the way. I'm sitting right next to you. That's not the get smart cone of silence. <laughs> no. It's not. <laughs> so we've got, my daughter is in the dance line for marching band, and Greendale will be going for its 18th straight state go. championship at Whitewater Whoa. on Saturday, all but right. there are bands from all over the state. Craig, I don't know how they have an indoor contingency. This levels the playing field, but it's oh, if it's a mutter, <laughs> can't plug in your stuff. Right? I don't know, but there are a lot of electronics involved in these things and all that. I don't, I don't know how they'll make that call as to whether to go indoors, but it really changes the event. Boy, I guess it does. You know, I mean, if they need dry for sure throughout the event, they're going to have problems because I'd have a hard time believing it's not going to rain at least from time to time. It's not going to rain heavily like it'll rain today. But if but if the electronics and whatnot can't have any. See, again, I I just raised that there was no love in the elevator. It's not really. I was loving my coffee. I don't know any other elevator songs. I'm sure they exist. Okay. <laughs> right. That's fine. That I mean, we'll, judges will accept it. Yeah. Yeah. So I get a text from Eric at 5:45 a.m. I hadn't even noticed that you had left the newsroom. So we're close to getting on the show, and I'm cramming on stuff as were you. So Eric steps out, Deb, and then I hadn't noticed until he came back in. He's like, "Did you get my text?" I'm like, "I don't. I don't know why would I get a text from you." And here's what his text reads. So Debbie is legitimately stuck in the elevator, and there's a picture of you. <laughs> yep. You looked happy enough. Were you yeah, okay? that was fine. It was comfy. I mean, it helped that with the, the walls were glass, so you can look out into the Third Street Market Hall. So it wasn't claustrophobic at all. Well, so when, just... when you initially texted, Debbie, I, I expected that when we approached the elevator, we would see you either stuck on the second floor or stuck on the first floor, right? Mm-hmm. Like that... And that, okay, maybe there's a way we can pry the door yeah. open. Sure, that's no. what you're saying now. <laughs> you were right there, stuck in the middle. Yep. Right there. The, there was no way, even if we could get to the door, we'd have any opportunity to <laughs> get you I heard you knocking when you two were just like, ding, ding, ding. I'm like, yeah, I hear you guys. Like, it's like I saw you walk up. <laughs> like, hi. So hi. it took us a bit, but we got her out. Yeah. Thanks to the Milwaukee Fire Department. Thank you guys so much. And sorry we had to call you. Like, yeah. you don't want to burden the fire department with that. Right. Flashing lights, they came and everything. The guys with their coats and the whole thing. They, no, they didn't come lights and sirens, did they? I don't know if they came with sirens. <laughs> <laughs> I, heard, I don't know if I heard the sirens. We could ask Steve that later, but I, I saw definitely there were lights. That's the funniest thing. I, I'm glad you brought up Scafidi. So basically, once we got through the fire department, Adam Roberts talked to the fire department. We knew that they eventually were going to end up coming here. And then Brandon comes up and says, hey, we need to have someone waiting to let the fire department people in. So we yell up to Scafidi, who's up here. You know, he's, he's here by that time. Hey, Steve, can you go wait outside there and um, let the fire department in? they got to like, get Debbie out. You know, actually, he's like, okay. okay. <laughs> he, didn't even, he wasn't even curious. Scafidi's like, sure, whatever you need. Well, I mean, if they were willing <laughs> to come lights and sirens, why didn't they just ax the door down? <laughs> well, they did come with a uh, with a pickaxe that had a crowbar in at the other end. I'm like, uh, okay. it's a little bit of a little bit extreme, guys. I don't know if we need, but the crowbar was probably good to pry the door open. But. I'm just glad it wasn't a Saint Elsewhere situation where you didn't look and you walked in and there the elevator wasn't oh, there and you fell wow. down the shaft or something. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was a little bit freaked out though. They they dropped the ladder in and I climbed up the ladder and there was literally about a foot and a half of space between the second floor and the top of the elevator. 
Oh, so have, I had to like literally shimmy out and I was no. saying, please do not start. Please do not start this thing. And then the guys grabbed me and I'm like, can somebody pull me? And they're like, Whoop! they pulled me right out. I'm like, nice. yay. Thank you. Bouncing baby girl. I think that's six feet under. I think that. <laughs> that you want to say it elsewhere? Six feet under is what you're worried about happening. Oh, I'm yes. pretty sure in that show. Tip of the cap to Milwaukee yes. Fire Department for rescuing Debbie this morning. Thank you, guys. 842 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Try and pry open those front doors. Immediately. I don't... Use your talons. Pry them open. Okay, Dwight. Oh, my God! Well, don't look, freak! Dwight, what are you doing? We've only been in here for, like, two seconds. I got 56 ounces of fluid in my bladder, and we have to establish a pee corner. Eight forty-six on Wisconsin's morning news. Kind of a, and granted, we're in a very serious situation, obviously with Israel, and you have these war correspondents who are reporting from near the front lines or thereabouts. But uh, CNN's Erin Burnett, she's on the side of I don't know, like a rural road here in Israel, just a, a dust road, a dirt road. Yeah, right near the border with Gaza, and this huge tank just came by, and. It, You've seen when the snowplow comes by and blows snow over somebody on the side of the road. Same thing happened with like sand and dust. Yeah, she disappeared. Her. She disappeared in the cloud. <laughs> Whole level of other things. I've been trying to get a hold of my buddy Scahill, um, Tosi's classmate of mine, who's been a war correspondent uh, at times in the Middle East. Trying to get him back on the radio and have him tell us about that. Different levels of protection for people who work for different outlets. I mean, he was always he was never owned by anybody. He was sort of like a freelancer. So that's different than, like, say, someone like Burnett here on CNN. Like, I'm always curious, like, so does she get asked or do they say, hey, next next conflict we're sending you? Or how does that work? Because for Scahill, he's, like you said. That's his life. Yeah, that's right. his life. He's, and he's there He's anyway. selling that product yes. to whatever network or periodical wants to buy it. You mean how does, how typ- does a network the typical decide- house cat decide, like, guess what? You're going to not just out of the studio – you're going out of the country overseas to a war zone. Yeah, because right. typically she's behind the desk. Yes, right. Totally different deal. I mean, part of it is, you know, the people who make decisions for the networks understand this is an elevated position, a chance for you to shine, a chance for you to, you know, show your journalistic chops to be there. So part of it is the window dressing, for sure. I don't mm. know, and that's not easy. Look, no, I, I've told the story before. Cover the Super Bowl was hard. And and I and I don't mean that to be flip. I just mean like the amount of work you do. Yeah. Like we got up at three in the morning. We worked till nine at night. We yep. did virtually nothing but work in between. And you got to get information. You got to get right. tape. You got to get crank out shots, the stuff. Crank out the story. Yep, yep, yep. The most fun work ever. Yeah. I'm and that's certainly the not Super comparing not, not right. war torn country right not now. Not comparing that's about, in any means yep. reporting the Super Bowl to being a war correspondent. But I just mean like folks would always say like, well, it must be nice. I'm like, well, we worked. All the time. So these folks, they aren't sleeping. They're in, yes, they have security and their own stuff, but they are in one of the most unsafe places on the planet right now. And so tip of the cap to to them for, for being out there and bringing the information. Wanted to pass this on this morning. Some folks in Waukesha, most of them right now, if you're in city of Waukesha, vast majority took a shower this morning in Lake Michigan water. There you go. They turned the spigot on earlier this week. It was just Monday, right? Mm-hmm. And now if you if you go to this interactive map, it's actually been kind of cool. We've watched it day after day. If you just Google Waukesha Water, it'll take you to the water utility site. And you can see how much of the Waukesha area is now getting water from Lake Michigan. Ooh. So this is a project to provide Lake Michigan water to the city 
Waukesha had to do it. The project was about a quarter billion dollars, actually north of there. The deep water aquifer that fed the Waukesha water utility in the ground, it was running low. It was tainted with radium. So Waukesha had to find an alternative to its water source situation many American communities do or may face in the future, which kind of underscores the statement that I've made before. In terms of resources, which regions hold power, the potential for wealth, water is like the new oil, but maybe more than that. Water is more than the new oil. There are alternatives to oil, but we don't have alternatives for water. We are here in the Great Lakes region with this incredible supply of fresh water, and it's necessary for all aspects of our life without substitutes. So fascinating conversation I had this week with Professor Melissa Scanlon. That's her there. She is with UWM School of Freshwater Sciences. She's the director of the Center for Water Policy there. And so probably an exciting week over there. I bet. Yeah, (laughs) watching this happen. I never thought of that, but it makes sense. There are alternatives to oil, not really for water. Right. And you can debate those alternatives and the viability of them, but fresh water is fresh water. And so I wanted to talk to, with her because we've gotten many questions. Folks have even texted them in to the old National Bank Talk and Text Line about Waukesha getting this water from Lake Michigan. A lot of questions about what it means for the Great Lakes. Is this sustainable? Does this mean other thirsty communities, perhaps in the Southwest, who are literally running out of water? What's to prevent them from dropping a giant straw into this major freshwater resource here in the Midwest? Although they're massive, only 1% of the water in the Great Lakes is renewed every year through rainfall. And the Great Lakes governors and Canadian premiers were concerned about that, and they were motivated by concerns that large exports of water could potentially start happening from the Great Lakes. So Professor Scanlon, they're telling us what set the stage for the Great Lakes Compact that was decades in the making that governs and widely now restricts water from being taken out of the Great Lakes Basin. We've talked about the political will that was necessary, the how to get that many people with that many dispersed interests to come together and make mm-hmm. this agreement. Mm-hmm. So rainwater that falls around here drains into the Great Lakes, as we talk about the Great Lakes Basin, as opposed to another region. Waukesha is outside the Great Lakes Basin. And to paint the picture for you, if you ever drive on I-94, you're westbound out of the zoo interchange. So if you're headed toward, ironically, lake country, which is kind of funny to me, but you're headed out west, like you're going toward Madison and you're on 94, leaving the zoo interchange, you drive up that big hill. Maybe if you never drive that, but you see the traffic cams from time to time. Tail lights going out on the right, headlights coming at you. That's the westbound look. And that's there's a giant hill approaching Sunny Slope Road. That's the subcontinental divide. Water east of there flows back to the Great Lakes. West of there in Wisconsin, it ultimately flows to the Mississippi River via its tributaries. So given what I just told you, that communities outside the Great Lakes Basin cannot access Great Lakes water, how's it going to Waukesha? A Waukesha diversion fits into the exception for communities and counties that straddle the Great Lakes Basin boundary line. So water approved for diversion to these really nearby communities has to be treated and returned to the basin of origin in the Great Lakes. So there are provisions. If you want to access Great Lakes water as Waukesha has, there are a ton of hoops you have to jump through, and you still have to fit into very specific parameters, including the fact that Waukesha is now sending treated wastewater back to Lake Michigan. So it will do that ultimately through the Root River. So to go through its process, pipelines and whatnot, empty into the Root River, which takes it back to Lake Michigan. So all good this time. 
Compact seems to be working as designed, protecting the Great Lakes, but also feeding some of these communities, or at least in this case, the one. But we'll see. Professor Scanlon, director of UWM Water Policy, predicts there could be future tests or challenges to this landmark agreement. A major test to the compact would arise, I think, if a Great Lakes state faced a water crisis in a part of the state that was entirely outside of the Great Lakes Basin. And that would raise the question, you know, would the governor of that state stick to the compact and deny water to its own citizens? An agreement only as strong as the willingness of those to adhere to it who are involved in it or someone to challenge it. So there could be challenges in the future. We'll see its longevity. Lake Michigan water now flowing to homes and businesses throughout Waukesha. Somebody just texted in, said, uh, just looked at the map. It said lake water observed. How do they tell the difference? Uh, They can measure the, the chemical makeup of it the lake water they're saying is at least for now gonna might have a little bit of a chlorine smell as they're over treating it for the moment Uh, might have a reddish or brownish quality to it initially as they flush things out chlorine and that should start to work itself out in the weeks ahead but they kind of know the extent of where it's gone in waukesha so far so a lot of folks in the great lakes region watching this closely to see how it all works out and so are thirsty communities beyond 855 on wisconsin's morning news